Hello and welcome to the November 2002 episode of The Seagull. The Seagull is the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tech Sergeant Jay Whitaker from Public Affairs. I'm here with Mr. Tim Sandlin. Good morning. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Jay. How are you doing? I can't complain. We're here to bring you and bring you up to speed on everything that's going on here at the wing. And there's a lot. There's a lot. We got a lot. We got we're this It's November. chock full in November. We we it's we're ready. It's like a cornucopia of bits and clips. Here we go. You got any more? You got any more for us? Well, it's like Thanksgiving for the Would for, the, for the ears. It's Thanksgiving for the ears. It's stuffed. It's stuffed. Like yeah, like a turkey, like a turducken. Yeah, turducken. Uh, so we got a turducken, or to, yeah, turducken, or a turducken. Turducken. All right, we got a turducken of an episode for you. This month's show features an interview with Lieutenant Nancaro, who's the POC for the Combined Federal Campaign, the CFC for the Wing. He's going to talk to us about our campaign goals for this year the cause of the week, as well as the various ways we can contribute. Later on, we get a clip from this month's Chevrons. Um, we also get a chance to hear from Miss Erin Fay, who's heading up a new group on the base, the Joint Base Cape Cod Military and Compute, uh, Community Support Network, one that focuses on helping out our military members and our families. Then I sit down with um, Master Sergeant Maricela Garcia and our latest I Am an American piece. American Airman piece, right? Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, we, we talk about her immigration from Venezuela, how she found herself in the Air National Guard, and her path to her new position through the Enlisted Development Program. Definitely something you don't want to miss. But first, we got to get into this month's command message. We're going to hear from Colonel Stephen Dillon, commander of the 253rd Cyberspace Engineering and Installation Group. Colonel Dillon shares some of his thoughts on Veterans Day. Uh, greetings. I'm Colonel Stephen Dillon, commander of the 253rd Cyberspace Engineering Installation Group, an organization consisting of the 253rd Group, 212th Engineering Installation Squadron, and the 202nd Weather Flight. We are located in building 330 and 430 across from the Eagle's Nest. This month we celebrate Veterans Day, originally known as Armistice Day, a day designated to honor the veterans of World War I for it was on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, the fighting ended in 1918. The conclusion of which civilization thought they had achieved the idealistic hope that World War I was the war to end all wars. After World War II and the Korean War, Armistice Day was renamed Veterans Day to honor all the veterans who served America in war and defended democracy. Not since the end of the Cold War has democracy faced such an existential threat as it does today. We are living in a interesting times where the international order is being challenged by adversaries who do not share our values and freedoms. This is, at this very moment, war rages on NATO's doorstep, with death and destruction not seen since the Second World War all being orchestrated by an imperialistic Russia led by President Putin who pursues the restoration of the old Soviet Union. Communist China under President Xi seeks to intimidate and perhaps in the not so distant future attack the democratic country of Taiwan. All that stands between good and evil is us, 
members of the 102nd Intelligence Wing, doing our part in delivering integrated deterrence for the United States Air Force. Like the veterans who came before us, we must be ready to do our part in defending America and democracy, no matter what the cost. So please take a moment of silence on the 11th hour of the 11th day of this month in remembrance of all our deceased veterans, especially those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in the defense of America and our way of life. Thank you and God bless America and have a happy Thanksgiving. Everyone, I am sitting here with Lieutenant Alan Nancaro from the Combined Federal Campaign. He's the POC for the CFC this year. How are you today, sir? Good, Jay. How are you? I can't complain. Thank you so much for just joining us on the Seagull. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to hit some uh, a few questions about the CFC and, and really what it means to you. It's been around for about 65 years uh, when you think of the CFC, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So the first thing that comes to my mind thinking about the CFC is, uh, is really service. Um, I, I personally think that it's, it's super important for everyone to try and give back whenever they can. Um, and the CFC really makes that um, achievable and simple for every single person to do. And it allows you to give back in a way that's going to align with your personal values. So what are some things that people may not know about the CFC? So I think one of the things that a lot of people don't know about the CFC is that they have so many charities that you could give to. Um, so I think the numbers tallying up at over 5,000 charities this year. Um, another thing that people really don't understand or realize is that it doesn't need to be some crazy big monetary donation to make a difference. Um, the CFC is really pushing hard this year that every little bit helps. So you don't need to donate, you know, $10,000 to make a big difference. Um, you know, some of the metrics that they that I've seen is, you know, a $20 total donation can not only get you a uniform buy update approved by our wing commander, so I have to pitch that, um, but it can also remove one pound of trash from the ocean. So if you think about that, you know, if everyone in the wing were to give, you know, $20, that would be a lot of trash removed from the ocean. Um, another metric that I've seen go, go around recently is $250 actually outfits a firefighter with PPE. So it doesn't need to be a lot of money. Um, can really be any little bit, and any little bit helps. Even giving a little goes a long way, and so thank you for sharing that. Now, can we just donate to, to anybody? What, let's say we have a very specific charity back in another state or, or some, a particular cause that's very important to us. Where Do they have a database or something like that? So the CFC does have a database. So like I said before, there's, there's roughly 5,000 charities in there. Um, you can search through that database to find, um, you know, if you have a charity that you know, like, for example, Heroes in Transition, you know, that has helped the wing out quite a bit. They are actually one of the charities on the CFC that you can donate to. Um, if you have a specific charity, you can look for them on the CFC. I can't guarantee that they're going to be on the CFC website, um, but you can certainly, of course, always donate to them outside of the CFC. And you may find a couple of charities that are similar um, that you can align yourself with that you can donate to. Gotcha. Thank you so much. Let's break this down. What are some of the easiest ways we can donate? So the, the easiest way to donate is to simply make an account on the CFC website. Now, when you make that account on the CFC website, it gets retained. So every year when the CFC comes around again, you can just log back in, 
look for the charity and donate. It saves all of your information, you know, your payroll information, however you decide that you want to donate, it saves it. So you don't have to go through, you know, the old paper process that we had a long time ago to, to actually go through and donate. Um, you can also get to that website by the QR code that I that I've been distributing around through the all staff emails, um, or simply just go to givecfc.org. That's the website, um, and look for Otis as your as the place that you're donating uh, from. And uh, yeah, it's it's really simple and it's really it's really painless. Really simple, really painless, really helpful. Absolutely. Now you've been sending out these uh, these causes of the week emails, and I, I actually these are it's actually great that you share these with it because it just really shows the variety of the, of uh, what the CFC and uh, all the places that you can donate. Now, what's uh, if you don't mind sharing uh, what uh, some of the causes of the week and are any of them imp- important to you in particular? Um, absolutely. So so each week uh, that the CFC goes, the campaign goes on for so all the way until the. Uh, until the beginning of January. So the campaign ends January 14th. Um, each week, the CFC highlights, you know, a different category of causes. So last week was arts and humanities. This week is the big one for me because it's animal welfare. Um, animal welfare is, you know, near and dear to my heart. I love animals. Um, so this year I actually donated to the Warrior Dog Foundation. Um, they help transition working canines into retirement. I also donated to the National Police Dog Foundation, and they provide training for police dogs as well as medical care for active and retired dogs. So lots of, uh, and you'll look on the CFC website and you'll see there, there's a lot of really good, um, you know, foundations, not only for dogs, for all, for all types of animals too, if you're a cat person. I'm a bird guy myself. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm sure there's a cause on there for you. Um, and then next week is going to be military and veteran services. So I think that one will be very near and dear to most people's hearts as well, especially within the wing. Now, I know our uh, we kind of missed our goal last year, and I don't want to put pressure on folks. What are some of our goals this year for 2022? So the goal this year for 2022 is to try and get to $20,000. Um, right now, we're sitting right at about $2,000, and we're about two weeks into the – we're about two weeks into – pushing forward with this now you know all staff emails aren't going to be the perfect way of getting a hold of everybody we've got a lot of drill status members that can't you know see their military email so um i've been working with a lot of the groups a lot of the squadrons getting cfc reps there giving them the information to push out to see if somebody wants to make that donation um again you know i i i kind of um pitched it earlier but um you know, we are doing a uniform buyout. So, you know, if somebody wants to uh, wear civilian clothes on November, um, December and January drill, they can. It's just $20 per day, which would equate to if you wanted to do all of them, it would be a $100 total donation. And again, that donation doesn't need to be $100 flat out, like you give handing over $100, you can do that by payroll deductions. You can do it in different ways. So it doesn't, it's not like it's just $100 coming out of your pocket right now. It can be split up. Thank you just so much for taking the time out of, uh, of for the day. Is there any other things you want to plug uh, as far as going this, uh, as far as the CFC? No, it, I just, if, if anyone has questions or whatever, I'm, I'm always available. So they can shoot me an email or give me a call and I'll be happy to answer any questions that they might have.
Awesome. And, and I just, uh, to anybody that's listening right now, for anybody looking for more information, go to givecfc.org. You can also text to donate at 978-487-5678. So, sir, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Look forward to seeing you on the drill weekend. And let's beat those, uh, let's beat our, let's, let's accomplish those goals for 2022. Sounds good to me. Thank you very much. Have a great Air Force Day. You take care. Thanks, you too. Welcome back to The Seagull. This is Tech Sergeant Jay Whitaker, and I am proud to sit here with Aaron Fay um, from Military Family Readiness. And did I get that right? That's correct. Thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah, recently we changed our name to Military and Family Readiness, and that was to that was reflective of the new guardians we have with the Space Force. So instead of Airmen and Family Readiness, we're now Military and Family Readiness. There we go. Fun fact. So I know you've uh, I've, I've seen you around and I'm, I know you've been working on uh, you and your team have been working on a, a new uh, committee support network. It's the JBC Joint Base Cape Cod Military and Community Support Network. What exactly is that and what does it do, does it entail? The Military and Community Support Network is really um a passion for me and the people that are in the network with me. We've worked for a long time together. And in COVID, we, like many others, saw their communities, their networks uh, become more challenging to keep tied to. And we weren't alone in that. When we came back together, though, we realized that there was a lapse where we needed to restart what we were doing with some more intention. Mm-hmm. We had had great relationships before and met regularly, but we wanted to come together, take this time to pause and really establish what we were doing. And so I've attended the meetings myself. I missed the, I did miss the last one. And, and for that, I apologize, but I know that um, our membership has grown. And I think, and I think uh, I wanted to get this message out to people and to have a conversation with you just because we're getting up, we're getting ready for the holidays. And I know the biggest thing that military families and our communities need is support during the holidays. And uh, could you tell us about some of the, our, our partners that we have on the military community and support network? Absolutely. Uh, the support network is comprised of representatives from military units, associated with Joint Base Cape Cod, and then in the surrounding area. And when we were first talking about writing our mission and our vision, we were really intentional about making sure that our friends from the Coast Guard who aren't necessarily on Joint Base Cape Cod were still part of that uh, group. They knew that we had their best interests at heart and that what we were offering were the for them as well. So we have military unit representation. We have uh, the Air National Guard, Army National Guard, the Space Force, and we have Air Station Cape Cod, Base Cape Cod, and Sector Southeast New England representing numerous Coast Guard units throughout the community. We also have community agencies, and those are a lot of nonprofits that work with us. Our community agencies, which could be our federal agencies, our state agencies, town representation, and then our veteran support organizations, which tend to be our nonprofits. Let's talk about some of the partners that you have along the support network. We have some really great partners. I have to say Cape Cod is just very rich in the support they have for its military members and its veterans. We all have 
organizations that people are really familiar with that are nationwide, like the American Red Cross, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And we also have smaller organizations like the Falmouth Service Center, Heroes in Transition, Falmouth Military Support Group, the Otis Civilian Advisory Council. And it's the weaving between some of those small groups that have a lot of depth of knowledge within our community, as well as some of those ones who have a really broad-based background and a lot of um, resources behind them that were able to make some of the, the best results. Erin, could you talk to me about how uh, your group collaborates? Absolutely. We do our in-phase collaboration at monthly meetings that we hold on the installation. We always think it's nice to hold it there because then our community partners get to see firsthand what some of the things we're talking about in a context. Uh, the space between buildings, what kind of infrastructure we have, uh, the spread of our different organizations. And then during the meeting, our agendas go from what our internal business is and then things that are going on within the community and what we'd like to share. And there are really beautiful moments when we are just talking and we're able to flux between when someone says they have a need and then someone has an immediate answer. For instance, last meeting, we had a member, uh, the representative from the Six Space Warning Squadron, and he said, I'd really like to know more about how I can support new families coming to the area, getting some housing um, some housing goods like at a thrift store, and then being able to get supplies uh, for children. And uh, all of a sudden, there was twinkles. There was twinkles in eyes <laughs> because the Falmouth Service Center was there and they have a thrift store. They have hand-in-hand -hand thrift on Sandwich Road in Falmouth. And uh, they, one, welcome volunteers to help them, but then also they help our community. And Falmouth Service Center as a regional food bank is able to get members from any zip codes. So they have special times that they come to, that they have special times military members can access food. And then they also bring food here for the fresh market uh, at the installation uh, Wednesdays, usually twice a month. So they were able to answer that question. And then Valerie from WIC, Women, Infant, Children was able to pipe right up and say, oh, have you, do you know about a baby center in Hyannis? In a baby center, they provide diapers, there's food, there's resources there. So he was able to take that information and other people were raising their hand. And it just illustrated what you can get when you bring everyone together. And it sparked that we are doing something powerful. We are making sure that all these people are connected and those that take care are able to have the most vast knowledge possible. As we're finishing up 2022, what are some of our goals for 2023? 2023, I think is going to be really great. You know, we relaunched this in 2020 and our, and our goals were figuring out our mission and vision. What are we doing and marching forward? We spent a lot of time saying how we wanna make sure that everybody feels like they're a partner. And with our vision of being able to collaborate and grow and being able to identify those needs and address them, those are the two things that we're gonna do. I think the culture of collaboration is really moving forward very strongly. Every meeting we get more members, we get more people that say, oh, I could help with this or let me be able to do that. 
And then relaying the identified needs is making sure that when service providers on the base or organizations that find somebody and want to connect back, we have a stronger warm handover. And that means that if you say, hey, I want to go see somebody at the vet center, I can say, oh, yeah, I know, uh, I know Adam, he comes to the base all the time, and he's got this, and you're going to want to talk to him about that. I've been to their location, and this is where you enter the front door, and this is what it's like when you walk in, and this is how they're going to receive you. And being able to give people that level of care and handover, that really creates a much better experience, and that's what we want to do. I see that growing quite a bit. One of our internal goals is finding the best way to get our collaborative information out to our community. We have smaller working groups looking at what the best way to have information online that's going to be accessible to all our audience in a single point of entry. There you go. And I think and I think it's very helpful, especially since this is a joint base. We have so many branches on here. And so yes, it's 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 so much more helpful than a simple email or 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 a pamphlet. You know, it's it's just nice. What I enjoy about this network is just having the people all there together that, you know, if you need help with this, you you have you know eight to fifteen people that could point you in the right direction. I think that's just a great asset uh, to joint base Cape Cod. So, Kudos. Thank you so much for just even, you know, and thank you to the military and community support network for just getting this off the ground. Because as we gear up for the holidays, I know we all I, I think we all know that, um, you know, people are going to need, uh, you know, assistance and and the best we, we need to make sure that this information is easy and accessible for them. So thank you so much for for your team. It, it means a lot. Anything else you want to plug any um, anything before we get out of here? One of the things we recognize is that each of our branches has different entry points to this information and where they're going to go. There isn't a single place. The Air National Guard has one way, the Army National Guard has another, Six Swiss has another, and the Coast Guard. It's really important to us to be able to get somewhere where it's known and that it's trusted so that people don't have to seem like they're in a mass of information and that they don't know. So the, we envision being able to have something sustainable that members can pass on, especially as a PCS to other units. Are there any upcoming events for the holidays? Oh, absolutely. We have lots of programs coming up. The Falmouth Service Center is taking numbers for turkeys, and those turkeys would be distributed directly from the Falmouth Service Center. Families can pick them up. For Christmas time and December holidays, Heroes in Transition is offering their fantastic boxes. They have full dinners that they give out. And those, instead of, uh, those boxes are need-based. So when families are in need, we can put in those numbers. Before we had a, a, a flat number they dealt with, but now they want to be more targeted with their information and, and who their assistance goes to. There's different angel trees. The 102nd is handling an angel tree. Uh, Project New Hope, if you register online, there's Operation Jeepers Creepers, and you can have children sponsored through there. If you're looking to sponsor a child, you can go to either of those organizations and be able to pick up what's right for you or your organization. These are great. 
And uh, I think I might get myself a turkey myself. So thank you for, for pointing me in the right direction. So thank you so much for stopping by and uh, have a great Air Force day. Thank you very much. All right. And finally, our good friend, Mr. Tim Sandlin, sits down with our good friend, Master Sergeant Marcy Garcia, in our latest I Am an American Airman piece. All right. I have Master Sergeant Maricela Garcia from the 102nd Intelligence Wing's communications flight in the studio with me. And we're going to talk a little bit about her history in the Air National Guard. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me over. Absolutely. Well worth having you in here and, oh, and talking you. to you. Thank you very much. Um, so um, just want to chat and uh, get a little history about you. Um, so where where are you from originally? I was born in Caracas, Venezuela. That's oh. my that's what I was born. What what uh, got you to leave? Why would you come over here into the United States? I wanted to um, I wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. My father was already here. Uh, he's been here for way over 35 years. Um, and he just asked me one day if I, if I, you know, were interested in going to college and getting an education. And, you know, when you have somebody that can facilitate you going to school in Boston, you, you know, you just don't say no to that. Right, and, right. And I jumped in both feet and here I am. Boston, uh, in terms of colleges and universities, is, I think, one of the most dense areas of the United States. Absolutely. So that's where he uh, he actually came to this country to get his master's degree, and he, he went to one of the universities in Boston. and Ended up staying. He ended up staying, getting married, doing all the good stuff. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to give it a try and see you know, how we would go. And I, I think it went okay. Oh, it went great. How, <laughs> how old were you when you came over? I was 19. Did you find it a, a, a challenge when you first got here yes. to integrate into the society and stuff? Yes. It was uh, uh, culture shocks all yep. over the place. Yeah. Uh, some things that you are used to seeing um, and they were part of your, you know, everyday life. Mm-hmm. You don't see them anymore, and also the complete opposite. Things that you're like, oh, my God, what is going on there? Oh, that's normal. Don't worry about <laughs> it. We, we do that here, and you're like, okay, all right, this is going to take a minute. So um, uh, the, the next logical question is, how did you find yourself in the Air National Guard? It's a good-looking question. <laughs> um, I always wanted to be a uh, state trooper, Um but I, you know, I, I wasn't a citizen at the time, and you know there were a lot of, you know there were a lot of things that you needed to accomplish in order to be a state trooper that I wasn't able to at the moment. And my father actually was the one who introduced me to someone that worked in PA. Wow. As a matter of fact, yes. Uh, what was his name? Master Sergeant. Uh, was it Garcia Gambia? Oh, Hernandez Garcia uh, Gandia. Yes, uh, Ruben. Ruben, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he introduced me to Ruben, and he brought me over and walked me around, showed me around, told me about you know what the guard was because I had no idea what the guard was. I'm like, oh, so is the base closed like the whole month and they only open one weekend or? 
you know, like what's going on? What what is How this? does this work? Exactly. Yeah. I have no idea what the God was. And when he explained it to me and he got me to meet uh, great people, I I think the same day I went and talked to one of the recruiters. So it didn't it didn't take it didn't take too long from the moment that I, I was brought here. I said, Hey, let's go check it out, see if you like it. There was no pressure at all. It said, Hey, come and check it out. Yeah. And I mean, the fr- the hardest step is stepping, you know, through the gate to come and check the place out. Yeah, I got lost, but that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> I went, I went, th- this is actually a really funny story because I went, um, I went to the wrong gate. And uh, at the time, Ruben had some official pictures that he needed to take. At, and uh, yeah, he was late because of me. So I don't, I, f- I still feel bad about it. <laughs> You know, they fired him after. No, I'm just kidding. No, he was here for a little bit after that. <laughs> no, no. I know I saw him. <laughs> no, he was fine. Um, so um, my next second obvious question is a multi-part question. Had you up until that point considered pursuing citizenship and um, as a comment, joining the Air National Guard is kind of the they facilitate citizenship in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. They help you along. It, it kind of puts you on the fast track, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It, yes. So how did how did that all work out? Had you considered it? Um, 100% being honest, I did not join the GAR just to get a citizenship. That right. was not that was not my intention. Um, I come from a long line of a long line of uh, a military family. My mm-hmm. grandfather an officer in the army so was my father in the Uh, venezuelan yes yeah so Uh, military service is not a stranger to you it is not not in my family and i still remember when i was growing up you know my father coming over to see me wearing his greens and all that it was (laughs) i still remember all that but no i i joined because i wanted to i wanted to serve the country who you know that that welcomed me that's nice um it was not my intention of, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for four years or five years and then I'll get the citizenship. Not at all. I did have to get my citizenship if I wanted to uh, re-enlist. So obviously I wanted to re-enlist. And also if I wanted to get one of the cool jobs. Sure. Because, sure. you know, with a um, just with a satisfactory, as you know, with a satisfactory uh, security clearance, you don't. Right. You don't get to really do what you want. And what I always wanted to be was a crew chief. Oh, wow. So you, you enlist, and what what career field did you go into originally? My first AFSC, because I have many. <laughs> My first AFSC, I was a supply system analyst working with LRS. Oh, great, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that an interesting job? Did you find it uh, fulfilling? Yes, it was a very interesting job. Uh, you know, you, you're pretty much the small computer person mm-hmm. for that. That job is gone. The, the, right. the AFSC doesn't exist anymore. Uh, uh, yes, I found it very interesting. And it kind of showed me what, the, you know, how communications works a little bit. IT and networking. IT, and networking. Database you know, management. Database nan- yeah. management. Downloading products from all the different, you know, sites that the Air Force has and all that. And and 
it makes you feel important as a very young airman that you know that you have people saying, hey, can you help me with whatever, with mm-hmm. my computer? And, and you're kind of like, they oh, rely wow. on you. They rely on you even yeah. as a young airman. Yeah. So I, I, I really, truly enjoyed my first job uh, in the National Guard. That's and great. I was very sad when it went away. <laughs> well, as luck would have it, you had a, uh, your experiences in systems over in supply helped you out for your next role, which was in base communications, right? Oh, you, you, you did something between. I did something in between. Oh. I was, so after the, uh, after the supply system analyst, mm-hmm. uh, AFSC went away, I cross-trained into just regular supply management. Oh, okay. And I did that for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. A little blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy <laughs> that job? I did. Okay. It's completely different. You know, the planes were here, and one thing that I've been really lucky, um, blessed, is that Everywhere that I've worked, I've had great people. Um, I've, I've had the fortune of knowing you almost your entire career. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that the love of your job really comes from your pride of serving, you know? Yes. I, I know you're proud to wear the uniform. I know you're proud to be affiliated. I know you've got lots of great dreams and aspirations. And, you know, um, it's, it's, it's great to see where, how much you've, how far you've come. Um, Thank you. The, the next on your, on your career train that now we're talking about base communications, right? That's so what brought you over to base com? The riff. The riff. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, all sunshine reduction in force for those don't know what a riff is. (laughs) So they eliminated your, your job in analyst job. And then, you went into um, knowledge so, ops, uh, you know, and so mm-hmm. so the riff eliminated that job. Yes, that unfortunately. Position. Yeah, so I was well, very upset about that. But as it is, or as as uh, you've proven time and time again, you land on your feet. I try. So <laughs> you're like a cat. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so you end up in base communications. What did you do there? When I first. Um, went into communications, which was about 15-ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was a 3 alpha, so I was knowledge ops. Mm-hmm. Well, what is, I mean, it's changed so much at this yeah. point. It used to be admin, then it became knowledge ops. It's, I think it's admin again. Right? I, I don't <laughs> know. I, I seriously, I... I lost track of what's going on. <laughs> I barely know my own AFSC at this point. So all uh, the changes. if I remember correctly, um, you came in over in Knowledge Ops, and then that position went away, didn't it? Uh, it was the uh, the 3D conversion. Right, right. So, so you ended up becoming a 3D. So, like, the jobs are changing, like, snap, you know, one after the other. And yes. You're just rolling with the punches, aren't you? Yes, I, I, <laughs> I am. I don't... Yes. <laughs> Get a little bit comfortable. And I was like, I oh, just get in. <laughs> um, so um, after your short stint as the unit administrator, uh, where did you go from there? Is that communications focal point or did you do something? Uh, no, I ended up in the communications focal point, but there wasn't a communications focal point right. at the time. Right. We, we kind of stood it up. We totally did. 
Yeah, you and I did that so. together. It was a little bit of work, a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. Um, and a lot of pains for, you know, everybody, ComFlight and also the users because you have to get, you know, you have to get accustomed to. Well, they were already accustomed to having hands-on help desk support that people did things for them. And we had to come up with a concept and our commander at the time was really driving the narrative of pushing a certain way that we were going to approach this new work center, which yes. was enough like the old help desk to make it complicated in trying to make it happen because the new thing people kept assuming was the old thing. Yes. Um, where it was more, we're, you know, we're helping CSAs and CSTs. It was more about kind of empowering users to do stuff. We weren't out there um, working on everybody's computer, so to speak, right? We were more of managing jobs, yes. as I recall. Mm -hmm. You and I did it together, so yeah. go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's It's been a long time ago. I, <laughs> I, my memory is not that great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very old now. I so am my getting old as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those, those early days working with you and standing that office up were some of the best memories I have. Absolutely. Uh, we had a blast in there uh, kind of... Even if, even when our office got moved around or our priorities got shuffled, we, we had a good time writing the book, basically. And it was only the, it was only two people for about fourteen hundred users. Right. It was only two people, so it was challenging and fun. Yes, it was fun. It we, was quite fun. I, I, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, and I, I couldn't ask him for a better wing person, wingmate, wing wingman. Person. I'm a wingman. Yeah, all I'm right, your right. wingman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then I was like, you know what? Sorry, Marcy. I'm pulling the ripcord. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I was heartbroken. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> I was too, but I decided to retire, and uh, and you you took the banner and you ran with it, and uh, uh, I was proud. I was proud to see where you went. Thank you. You know, in 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 that office and. So I know um, you, you probably you were in the com focal point for a little bit longer after I after I retired. Yes. Um, so so fill me in on your career after that. What are some of the other cool things you did in Basecom? Well, after running the CFP for a few years, uh, after being the NCOIC of uh, the communications focal point, I got a new opportunity within Comfly, which was moving to uh, plans and programs. And that was something that, you know, that I always wanted to be. And I'm going to tell you about it, one of the reasons in a second. Um, but I just remember that while I was working in supply as the system analyst, I would actually look up at the communications flight people, you know, uh, the NCC guys, you know, the network administrator guys, the help desk guys. And mm -hmm. I looked at them and I was like, wow, I would love to be like you one day. Believe it or not, I never... I never thought that I actually would become one of them. When I, was, I would look up to them like, wow, they're so smart. Like, they know their stuff. They, you know, they're so helpful and they're so happy. And like Wayne Sherman. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wayne Sherman, Ray Blaze. Yeah. I always wanted to be like one of them and surprised, you know, I ended up, you know, being one of them for right. a long time. So after I got to the communications flight, 
and I was, you know, in the CFP and knowledge ops, and I did what I did there. I always saw plans as being the next step up mm-hmm. because one of my greatest mentors ran the the that shop and right. you know that's retired chief Deborah Cho. Right. You know, one of the great and I I'm sure that a lot of people would agree with me. Uh, one of the greatest mentors that I ever had and I still have. Um, and I wanted to be like her. She's a fantastic role model. Oh, she's so a, she's you you chose wisely. <laughs> so and you know, then I, I've I've been in a, I don't remember exactly for how long, but I've been in plans um, as a program manager as well as the base equipment control officer uh, for a few years now. That's great. That's great. Um, I'm privy to the information that uh, you're actually winding down here in this job. And uh, come very soon, you are taking Ooh. on a whole new responsibility. So yes. what's that all about? Where are you going? Uh, it's bittersweet. Very yeah. bittersweet. Uh, you know, this this wing, which I'm still going to be part of the wing, um, but the wing has been my home for the next, you know, for the last 19 years. Yeah. Um, most of it has been, you know, so I like, I, w- I was lucky enough to come in as a DSG and then find, you know, a technician job, a, a technician job almost right away. So it's, you know, I've been here, been here for a little bit, um, but I will be going up to, uh, Join force headquarters. Fantastic. Still in a communications capacity? Still in the communications capacity. That's great. That's great. Um, and joining your mentor up there. Not in the same office, but but your mentor is going to be a lot closer now. It is. Uh, and one of the great things about um, being in JFHQ, um, literally everywhere you look, you have a mentor. Oh, yeah. Anywhere that you look, you're going to have a mentor. It might be an it might be an NCO, uh, it might be a senior NCO, it might be a chief, which you know, chief is a senior NCO, but you know what I mean. Sure. It's gonna it's gonna be an officer. And it could be a master sergeant Garcia. I I hope I can. Uh, yeah. I hope I can you know mentor people, and I I, I try. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, yes, so I'll be close to my one of my top mentors and I will also have all my new ones. And I, 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 I feel, um, extremely excited about it. And maybe that's, that's what I say that is bittersweet. Sure. Because, you know, it's gonna hurt, you know, seeing, you know, my, my colleagues like all the time and, you know, my work friends, what I like to call my work friends, Often, not like I see them often because we're so busy. You don't have time to socialize right. when you're here. But you know they're there. But you know they're there. Yeah. You know that you can walk across the hall or you can walk across the building or, you know, drive for three minutes and you're going to have them there. But the fact that um, I'll be working with the JFHQ uh, team, I, I, it's, I, I don't think I, I don't think that my mind has kind of like, Assimilated yeah. <laughs> because they're they're amazing. They're they're yeah. a great team, great people, and they're always um, they're always helping you out with whatever it is, mentoring or, or anything. They're very welcoming people, which from day one, 
Um, well, how I ended up in JFHQ, I don't know if you can. <laughs> yeah, fill us in. So for a couple of years ago, I saw the announcement for the uh, Enlisted Development Tour up in JFHQ. So what it is is you submit your resume, um, and if you get selected, they will assign you to one of their directorates. And you're going to you know, learn how they do things in JFHQ, and it's completely different. Yeah. It is completely different. Like, it is a different type of busy. Right. Like, it, it's still busy. There's still fires that you need to put up, but it's completely different from what you're used to. So you just get out of your comfort zone for a little, well, a lot. And, and I did. So I took that opportunity two years ago. That was right before uh, the whole COVID. COVID. Yeah. I don't even like saying that word, but, <laughs> you know. Um, and then because of, COVID, you know, we had to do a lot of telework and mm-hmm. e- even during the drill. So the leadership decided to offer, you know, to that the team for the for the 2020 or 2021? 2021 team? A couple of years ago. I'm not, I'm not sure if we're going by fiscal year or we're going by calendar year here. Oh, it's got to be fiscal year. Anyhow, you know what I mean. Because of COVID and all the restrictions, you know, social distancing and all that, we didn't really get to experience JFHQ as a whole. Because mm-hmm. you're working from your office, of, you know, at home. And, of course, I, I said that I would love to do another year. And it was completely different because now we're there. Now we're doing things. Right. And, and uh, working with uh, Colonel Morsi is I I can I I want the Lordy working with him. What a great mentor! What a smart man! Uh, what a great person he is! And I felt so happy, lucky, blessed, welcomed uh, that I just couldn't say no. And now, you know, the tour ended. But now I'm part of the team, permanent part of the team. That's great. Which is awesome, which is great. So um, we're winding down to the end of this interview, and I wanted to ask two kind of final questions. Mm -hmm. One is, tell me about any other mentors you have, um, anybody that's guided you along the way that you want to throw some some cred out to. Oh, my God, so many of them. You've got to, like... You're kind of like putting me on the spot over yeah. here. Um, wow, if we go all the way back mm-hmm. from my supply, you know, times. Uh, well, at the time, it was Lieutenant Crouch. Sure. <laughs> uh, but now, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Crouch, uh, she's, you know, she's, she was an amazing commander. Working for her was a joy. Uh, Chief Haskell. Oh, Chief Haskell. Chief yes. Deborah Haskell. I know that people are like, who is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Chief Rick Haddon. Now Major. I, you know, now Major. Yeah. Wow. I Listen, I am really dating myself right here. <laughs> I think I'm just going to walk away. Um, well, it's just, it's just so many of them, you know, to, you know, to, to like, list. So if we go, um, 
you know, the, the, the supervisor, my supervi- my current supervisor right now, Senior Master Sergeant Jason Lee, he's awesome. He's That's one great. of the best supervisors that I ever had. He's great. Um, now when we talk to JFHQ, I literally will have to name everybody. Like, I have to get the <laughs> roster. And, you know, Chief O'Keefe. Well, we only have another uh, 30 minutes, so. Oh, God. <laughs> no, okay, let me let me start picturing the offices. Obviously, we got uh, Chief Master Sergeant uh, Michelle O'Keefe, amazing mentor, amazing person, uh, Senior Master Sergeant Martin, Tech Sergeant Marino, Senior Master Sergeant Vadney. Oh, my God. Like, you know, and obviously the colonels, generals, you know, General Gaglio, Colonel Ahasi, Colonel Forrest. So, it, 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 um, like I said, like, whatever you look on JFHQ, you have a mentor, General Green. Yes. And obviously, I already mentioned, you know, Colonel Morsi, that, you know, I've been so lucky to, you know, work. Well, it echoes what you said a, a little while ago when you said, you know, anywhere you turn, yes. there's a mentor. That's what I Any, feel bad. Uh, I hope that nobody gets offended, but I, I, have, I literally have to grab the roster in... Yeah. Read, read down, because that's how amazing everybody up there is. Bottom line is you can get something from anybody. Yes. Knowledge, wisdom, experience. Yes. So the second question is, and I'm maybe putting you on the spot a little bit. Oh, God, even more so. <laughs> <laughs> if you could reach out and go and time travel and talk to 10-year-old Marcy in Venezuela and tell her about yourself now, what would you say? I don't think anybody has really asked me that question before. So I have to think about it for a minute. It could be advice. It could be, hey, you know what? Um, I'll say things will be okay. Be patient. I mean, you know what? I tell them, you know, you're going to do all right. That's good. Things are going to be okay. And maybe another thing that I would have told her was, listen, uh, a few years from now, you are actually going to join the military. Uh, just make sure that you really understand the language before you jump into boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. Holy I, cow. I have to say, and I, I, this is, you just sparked a memory. <laughs> I don't remember how long you had been in the United States when we first met. But I have to say, I've never, ever, and I know a lot of people who English is their second language or third. I've never had known anyone that's picked up the English language as quickly and as well as you. Oh, thank you. And and we used to give you a hard time a little bit, you know, like about your pronunciation, but... I still have issues know, with that. <laughs> it's mind-blowing, Marcy. It's mind-blowing how quickly you could communicate in English. Uh, I think I knew you, you had maybe, maybe not even six years. It was like four years in the country. Not even. I think it was, I came in in 2001 and I enlisted in 2003. Yeah. And I probably met you and talked to you for the first time, maybe in 2004, probably 2004. And like, it's mind blowing. (laughs) Thank you. It's mind blowing. So, all right. Well, um, any any other thoughts? Any any closing comments? Um, any advice for someone who's starting out, who maybe um, is looking for a career either 
in communications and supply at Joint Force Headquarters, like the program, you want to put a plug in for the leadership uh, exchange. What is it called again? The the uh, Joint Force Headquarters going the uh, oh the uh, enlisted development. Yes, the enlisted. You want to put a plug in for the enlisted development program. Anything. Well, uh, the floor is I, yours. What I'm going to say is, uh, get out of your comfort zone. Oh, good advice. It is. It is okay to do that once in a while, and I did. And that was probably one of the best decisions that I ever made. Get out of your comfort zone. Try something. Don't be afraid of learning something new. Just because you know something very well doesn't mean that you cannot learn new things and be great at them as well. Right. So for you know, and it's, this is not just for the young airmen out there. It's for everybody. Look yeah. at me. I did it after I've been you know in for eighteen years. I'm like, oh, okay. And I did, and that was one of the best decisions that I that I ever made. Getting out of my comfort zone, trying something new, uh, and also you know listening to listening just listening to all the advice that you get from everybody. It, it makes it all worth it. Everything that you learn as a you know as an NCO as a person, how you know how 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 you would like to be mentored. You know, and, and you pick different you pick different mentors and then you say, I like this from mentor number one. Oh my god, I absolutely love how mentor number two does this. And and you just you know, by coming out of your comfort zone, you you create your new way of doing things. Does it make any sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Does it make any sense what I'm saying? Because it sounds pretty good in my head right now, but <laughs> I feel that it's not coming out as I want it to. <laughs> you absorb the best parts of those around you that yes. that you're, you know, that you observe. Like a transformer, you, you know, yeah. you grab different parts from everything, and then you make a gray one. And yep. but none of that would have happened if you know if I wouldn't have taken the chance of doing something different because you know, oh, I've been doing this for so long, and that's where I'm comfortable. Well. Maybe that's why you're stagnant. Maybe that's why, yeah, you're numb. Yep. But not in the bad way. You're just so comfortable in your in your own space, in your own little world that you don't you don't think that there's something else out there. But there's always always there's always going to be something out there. Yep. Keep your eyes open and um, the uh, the enlisted development tour is a great tool, a great opportunity for people to try something out. It's not permanent. You're only, you know, you're only there for a year doing your drills, doing all your stuff. Um, but such as yourself, it could lead to other opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Good advice. You never know. So, but I think that's, that, that will be like the main thing that I will get out of your comfort zone. Try something new. Learn new things. Just come out of your bubble. You'll be all right. And if you don't like it, then go back into your bubble. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's great advice. Well, Master Sergeant Garcia, thank you for joining us today and uh, imparting your wisdom and telling us a little bit about you and your history and your success. Well, thank you so much for having me over. Excellent. Mr. Sandlin. <laughs> Before we go, here's a bit of a preview of our other podcast, Chevron's. From junior enlisted to senior leaders and those in between, we interview notable individuals to address everyday challenges and hurdles the enlisted force faces. In this episode, Chief Master Sergeant Clinton Miller 
National Guard Bureau, J5, J53, SPP Senior Enlisted Leader, joins us in a discussion about the State Partnership Program. The National Guards of all 54 states and territories participate in the SPP, some partnering with more than one country. Chief Miller tells us all about the program, its history, benefits, and how the enlisted force can contribute to the success of the program. Absolutely, Flores, how awesome that uh, that these individual conversations happen. And I've seen it uh, time and time again. I, I get to interact with the, the tags, you know, right? I get to witness the tags and the uh, and the chiefs of defense as they as they talk. And it, and it really does come up to that, that small ask, oh, and the light bulb goes off and, well, we have this capability. And it's even, you know, the next level is when it you know, moves over into the civil side and we've got, uh, you know, mayors and uh, governors and, and businesses that, that trans, uh, that, that, that interact along with the, the same lines and it, it blossoms from there. And the, the broader that partnership, the, the more information you receive and, and the more they engage, it's, it's incredible trust. Tim, did you know that, um, November is National American Indian Heritage Month? I did. Okay, see, well, a lot of people don't know that. Well, American Indians and Alaskan Natives include a diverse population of 574 federally recognized tribal nations and villages residing in the United States. These communities are not homogenous and have distinctive traditions they celebrate within their tribal cultures. For generations, despite the dire consequences brought to their tribes through European enslavement and civil conflict over land, American Indians and Alaskan Natives continue to serve and defend our nation today. Although American Indians and Native Alaskan service members comprise 1% of the active duty military population, they served in the armed forces at five times the national average. From serving as scouts and soldiers in the American Revolution to the cold talkers of World War I and World War II to the present day, their contribution is invaluable. This year's theme is celebrating respect, culture, and education, and is focused on the U.S. Army technician, fifth grade Joseph Medicine Crow, the last Crow War Chief. Crow is artistically represented on the poster in the traditional Crow war bonnet and clothing made of leather, animal fur, beads, bones, and eagle feathers. Crow earned his distinction as a Crow War Chief while serving as a U.S. Army Scout in the 103rd Infantry Division during World War II. During that conflict, he completed all four essential requirements to become a War Chief, counting coup, that's touching an enemy without killing him, taking an enemy's weapon, leading a successful war party, and stealing an enemy's horse. Crow did this in exemplary fashion. During a combat operation, Crow ran into a young German soldier, knocking him to the ground. The German, the German soldier lost his weapon. Crow lowered his own weapon and then began fight, fighting hand-to-hand. -hand. As Crow was choking the German soldier, he heard the soldier call out for his mother. Crow released him and let him go. Later in the conflict, Crow led a successful war party and stole 50 horses from a German Nazi SS camp. As he rode off, he sang a traditional Crow War song. For his actions in World War II, he received the Combat Inf Infantryman's badge and multiple service award awards and ribbons, including the Bronze Star Medal, French Legion of Honor, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Crow is the last member of the Crow tribe to be designated a war chief. Did you know 
Tim, I know I know you. That was that was great information about uh, you know about this month. But did you also know that uh, November? You know, in November we have National Cook for Your Pets Day. National Cook, is it? Yeah, it's Cook for Your Pets Day, right? Not Cook Your Pets Day. Don't. <laughs> no, we're not doing. Okay, we're we're, we're cutting that out. Um, you know, um, there, we have National Donut Day. National do- do- Donut Day on November fifth. Donuts. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We have mm-hmm. National Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day. National Cappuccino Day. Uh, Cappuccino. Uh, what else do we have? We have uh, National Pizza f- with the Works Except Anchovies Day. They'll just make anything a Sounds day. Sounds fishy to me. Yeah, right? I, okay, all right. You know what? We're <laughs> you're going to do this? You're going to do this with me all day? This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. November 26th is National Cake Day and also Small Business Saturday. So, everyone, I hope that you have a wonderful holiday, uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I hope you have a wonderful November. And uh, we can't forget about Veterans Day. Of course we can't forget about Veterans Day. Well, I thought that was already implied. I figured. It is kind of implied, but just, you know, let's give put a little emphasis, a little tilde on the okay. top of the... Well, hopefully you have a great Veterans Day as well. Uh, thanks for listening to The Seagull. For more news on the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw.ang.af.mil. And then you can search for us on the 102nd uh, IW on any major social media platform. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you. Peace. (laughs) Peace out. Peace out. (laughs)